Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Gina. And today we are dishing about dairy, dairy-free milks, and kind of the the pros and cons, if you will, of including dairy or not in your diet and how you can kind of look to make up those nutrients other ways. So before all that, as uh, as always, Gina, what's going on? Well, it's been a while. It has. I was thinking about this. I We, haven't, we have not podcasted in so long. Uh, it's probably been a couple weeks. The weather has changed. Honestly, Nicole, I don't know about you. My allergies have never been this bad. I mean, I cannot remember the last Agreed. time I took two Zyrtec in one day, every single day this weekend. Yep. Um, this, was the, this has been the first day in four days I have not had to take two. I mean, it is just terrible. Now, is that normal for you? Well, it's, you know, the joke. I always say, like, every time we're ready to podcast, like, I feel like crap. But <laughs> yeah like the back of my throat is just dry and I don't have, I typically don't suffer from allergies either, but Mark does. And what he said was, you should have never t- stopped taking it because now it needs to build mm-hmm. up in your system again. He's like, you yeah. know, it's not going to give you that immediate relief. And I was like, well, I, but I want it to. And I'm just like really sluggish. And yeah, I don't, there is something no, in the air, right. literally. There, well, I'm looking, when I look out my window at work, I see all those little, like, it's not ragweed. It's the little white things that, that you blow off that little flower. I don't even know what it's called. Cotton. Um, you know what I'm, t- what I'm talking about? Cottonwood. I don't even know what it is, but you can see them flying uh-huh. in the sky. It almost looks like it's snowing. Um, and I, and I know I'm, t- I'm allergic to ragweed in the fall and I'm allergic to pollen and grass in the spring, but this spring has just been terrible. Uh, so today's been the first day I've actually felt somewhat normal. And that's because I, I stayed inside the majority of the day like on purpose. Yeah. So, Aww. but he's right. It, you do. I actually take Zyrtec every single day of the year, even when I, even in the winter when I don't have allergies, just because I just stay in the habit and it stays in my system, but maybe it's not working well anymore. So maybe I should think about switching to Claritin anyway. So other than that, um, let's quickly did you watch Monday's Bachelorette? No, I'm. You haven't I, watched it. Yet. I haven't watched it at all. But Mark's out of town, coming up a lot, so I'm gonna uh-huh. just binge. Oh, does he not watch it? No, no. It's so funny. Nick loves. He he. Well, he does. He would never admit that, but he does love to watch the Bachelorette. Mark um, will watch the Bachelor. It. But we're on a yeah. we're on a binge of right now of Shit's Creek on Netflix, and it's freaking. Oh, is that hilarious. good? Oh, okay. So funny. Good. I'm glad you said that because we're looking for another binge worthy show. So that's good. Good to know. Shit's Creek. Okay. Shit's Creek. Sounds yep. Good. Um, it, it was honestly, the episode was lame as always, but they had a whole segment. One of the group dates was they brought all the men to this place where they, uh, stimulated, um, uh, like contractions for women. And they put that little, uh, um, oh, yeah. sticker shock thing on, you know, their abdomen. And they were all basically jerking and freaking out and screaming about the feeling of having, um, contractions. And it was just really funny. <laughs> um, so that's really the only update I had about the bachelorette. I mean, it was. The show is lame. I'm not really a huge fan of, of Hannah, but it's just really good entertainment. That's all I, that's all I have You're to say. You're so funny. <laughs> and I love that Nick will watch it with me. So yeah, fact, totally. He was going to work on Monday. Like at, usually he probably like stay downstairs in our kitchen and work, but he was like, oh, wait, the, ba- the bachelor's on or the bachelorette's on. So that was funny. Okay. Leaving for vacation soon. That's another thing that's coming up. So next week we'll, we will be heading to Hilton Head, which I'm very excited about. Hopefully the weather is nice there. Uh, and then last week I experienced my first CrossFit adventure, which I talked to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you know about CrossFit? Uh, <laughs> this is so lame. <laughs> it's expensive. Uh-huh. It's high weight, low rep often, like, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's not fair, but it's, it's definitely I, I like 
uh, like circuits of, you know, the, like the workout of the day type stuff. And yes, all I know is I typically see like Instagram stories of pull ups and I'm like, eh, can't do it. Like I, I just feel <laughs> defeated before starting. And that's probably sure. not fair. But um, yeah, I mean, just from a personal level, it seems that the classes are at very specific times and there's only a few offered a day and you kind of like make that your life. It, it seems a little yes. cultish, not necessarily in a bad way, but I've just never been drawn to it really. No. Oh, and neither have I. And I had a, a coworker. She was like, well, I'm going to a class at 3.30. It's real close to our work. Do you want to just come with me? Because on Tuesdays, it's bring a guest to CrossFit day and they come for free. So I was like, well, sure. And it was exactly what you said. Now, every day, the workout of the day is different, obviously. I think that sometimes, like sometimes they might run two miles and then do like 50 push-ups and then hold a plank for 10 minutes. Who knows? But this day happened to be, <laughs> I wish I actually would have preferred. The day that I went, it was, it's basically high intensity circuit training, but you do it with a partner or two other people. So you will row on the rower for, uh, let's say, until you burn like 20 calories because it'll say that on the on the thing, on the, on the monitor, on the rower. And then once you do that as fast as you possibly can, you then switch with your partner and then she gets on and rows for another 20 calories. And then you only have five minutes. So you do that for five minutes. Then you go onto a bike and then you do um, like squats. And at the end, you add up all your, your, you tally up all your numbers, like how many total calories you burn in minutes, how many squats you did, and then at, at the end, you your team will rank amongst however many teams there were. So we, there were 25 teams, and I think we ranked 18th or maybe 15th. So we didn't do terrible. But honestly, I didn't even feel like it was that great of a workout. I hate workouts where I'm at the mercy of another person. Because mm -hmm. if you get stuck with someone who's not very fit, they go really slow. So then you're off the equipment for longer than you want to be. So it wasn't my favorite. I'm not saying she wasn't very fit, but I – she wasn't as fast as I would have liked her to be because I mm -hmm. felt like I was just standing around a lot. Um, so I was, I was nervous to go cause I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to do it, but I actually left there feeling like I wanted to get a better workout. So that was kind of strange. I'll go again. She, she wants me to come with her on Tuesdays and I'll probably go another couple of times just to see what else there is to offer, but I'll probably never become a member. I like my own workouts. So that was that. Yeah. You know, I think everybody loves what they do. Right. And the best workout is the one that you're going to do, quite honestly. And so, I, yeah, whatever. I More power to you if you love it. <laughs> I'm a Peloton freak and that's a total cult. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's mm -hmm. find what you love. Incorporate yeah. some other stuff. You'll be Agreed. great. So. Yeah. All right. What about you? What's new? Um. Well, last week, Thursday, was our 10-year wedding anniversary. So that was really mm -hmm. sweet. And Mark mm -hmm. proposed to me again. Oh, that's so sweet. At he, the same place? No, 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 no. Okay, I didn't know um, where. Okay. No, we had kind of both gotten off work, um, you know, kind of planned to get off early. And we went and just kind of had drinks outside. It was a really nice night, actually. And then went out for pizza. So fancy. We were actually planning to, like, do something different outside of St. Joe, Michigan. But it was such a beautiful day. We were like, we don't want to be in the car. Like, let's just enjoy the weather. And uh, then we got home and we didn't send the baby ho babysitter home right away. We walked down to the water and he got down on one knee and he had a new uh, eternity band, like a second wedding band, basically. And it was engraved. It said 10 years MM and NM. Isn't that cute? That is so sweet. I know. That is so sweet. And I what did like I get so... him? Hmm. <laughs> Swim trunks, cologne, and a new wallet. Like so lame. No, it's perfect. That is how it should be, in my opinion. Oh, and I'm... a dozen of the most beautiful red roses were delivered to work that day. Like these roses were amazing, and I don't know what they sprayed on them, but they were they they had to have sprayed like like just fairy dust Love on juice. them. Yeah. I mean, they smelled amazing. <laughs> so yeah, he did no, it off good. Is Mark usually a romantic? No. Person? Okay. No. I was going to say, I don't no. feel like that's, yeah. So that took a lot for him to do that. So good for him. I'm like, do, do you want to compliment me today? Like I, I, I tried really hard on my hair. He's like, man, like I have to like ask for a compliment and then it still doesn't <laughs> happen. I can probably count on one hand in the past 15 years, how many times he has complimented me without being prompted. And then obviously oh, once Mark. you prompt somebody, it's completely lost value. So anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So he did it. Well, good for him. He, he did awesome. a good job. Yeah. We had an awesome good. Memorial Day weekend. Like 
kicked off summer. And then um, in completely unrelated news, uh, we, you and I were texting recently <laughs> about all of our constipation woes. And so yeah. um, before getting into food our kids, talk, oh my, yes, kids. <laughs> Let's be clear. Oh my gosh. So sh- I've had to give Shay a suppository the past two weekends. Oh my gosh. Um, a week ago, Sunday, <laughs> she spent, I'm not even, I'm, I wish this was an exaggeration, nine hours on the toilet. Just oh my straining and straining oh. and straining and crying and straining. I mean, it got to she couldn't even lay down. She was so I thought, yeah. oh, for sure, we're going to the ER. Like that's this- how we were with Paige when I called you. Yes. <sighs> it was yeah. terrible. I thought we were gonna have to go to the ER because it was stuck and I saw it coming out. It's like she was it was honestly, I was like I was her labor coach <laughs> and I was trying to help her get out. <laughs> baby. I am not even kidding though. Seriously. I was thinking to myself, this is going to be me with her in 30 years. Like, how is she doing right now? How am I doing? How, you know, judging myself like as her labor coach. It was just like that. Yeah. She didn't want to lay down. And then when I put the suppository in that you told me to get, she said she could feel it and it burned. Uh And, but you had to keep it in for 15 to 20 minutes. So she so badly wanted to get it out. Uh So I'd like hold her butt cheeks together and lay her down and like rub her back, but she didn't want to lay down. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. So we're going to do a podcast episode on basically how to prevent constipation in your children or what to do um, if they do get constipated and then some preventative measures because um, I've learned some things for sure. Me too. Well, this is all a, this is all a process, but yeah, hopefully people are still listening. <laughs> Suppositories. Oh my God. <laughs> Turn like, off. You know, I could have just done, I, I would have been just as good a mom having not earned that, uh, that badge there, but okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what's going on. So, um, all right, should we jump in? Yeah. Speaking of constipation, one reason not to drink too much milk other mm-hmm. than the fact that it decreases your iron absorption is that it could cause constipation. Yeah. So I actually did take away, I did not give milk to Paige the last couple of days. I just gave her like watered down prune juice. Um, but yeah, dive right into dairy, dairy <laughs> and dairy alternatives. <laughs> Shay does love her milk, um, which you know, it is it is not a uh, we are not a household that is contributing to uh, th- these next statistics. So, yeah, kind of just jumping right in. It's interesting. Uh, people may or may not know that cow's milk intake is on quite a steep decline, um, whereas dairy alternatives are soaring in popularity. So s- sales of dairy alternatives have increased 61 percent in just the wow. past five years, wow. um, where you know, cow's milk intake is plummeting. So kind of what's what's going on in the industry? Is it warranted? Is there nutritional concerns with dairy that we need to know about? So we just kind of want to piece apart the various debates surrounding the use of dairy alternatives or dairy, um, see where the science is and kind of where do we weigh in here? So here's a couple facts. Um, mm-hmm. Dairy products, yogurt, cheese, milk, help uh, the gap Uh, close the gap on three of four nutrients of public health concern. Um, And so those are calcium, potassium, and vitamin D. So that's huge, Um, especially Mm -hmm. vitamin D. I kind of call that the Hollywood vitamin, especially if you live, you know, up north. It's, it's huge. Mm. Yeah. And calcium every day. Yep. It's, it's so important. And potassium, you know, we talked about that a lot in our sodium episode, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people, especially if you're not getting those five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day, uh, but potassium is huge. And then calcium also, there's no denying calcium and bone integrity, bone health, especially with growing little people is huge. And isn't it like age 20 that they stop building their bones or something like that? Yeah. It's, it's about at that age that you basically just start to lose uh, right. your, your bone mass, um, okay. if if I'm recalling correctly. And I feel and like that's right. Yeah, calcium and vitamin D just go hand in hand. So if you don't have enough of one, you know the other suffers. And or you know if you don't if you don't have enough uh, vitamin D, the it, the calcium absorption isn't there. So the Academy yeah. of Nutrition and Dietetics, the American Heart Association, um, and the Dash Diet, which stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension, which is a huge, well researched uh, diet that has mm-hmm. kind of spanned the ages here, uh, make all the same recommendation, uh, which is. To, to consume dairy, basically two to three servings a day. And so you made a comment here, Gina, that children ages 12 months, so m- strong possibility of being weaned from breast milk or formula at that stage up to the year of t- age of two, 
the fat needed um, is still very high. And so that the fat that um, comes with two cups of cow's milk or breast milk, um, Mm -hmm. which is about 16 grams. Right, right. Yep. Um, is, is kind of a bare minimum, if you will. Do you agree? Yep. Well, yeah, that in addition to the other food and or breast milk that they're consuming in the day. Yeah. So in addition to, in addition to the breast milk or food that they're getting as a 12 month to two year old toddler, I guess, um, they should be consuming at least, uh, 16 grams of fat from, you know, cow's milk, or if you choose not to give your child cow's milk, getting that fat from another source, whether it's a dairy alternative or, you know, adding olive oil or canola oil or flaxseed or chia seed to their foods. But as long as it gets to that about 16 grams of, of fat, that's the most important thing because their brain is developing and it's just so important during that year. Yep. And that's, that's huge. I, you know, I think a lot of times, um, I, I definitely see it in my practice where children are introduced first to low fat milk because, or fat free milk, mm-hmm. because that's what's mm-hmm. in the home. Um, yeah. And or or sadly, I'm sorry to interrupt, but people think maybe they have an, like a, a chubbier baby and they might think, oh, well, I'm going to give my child skim milk or low fat milk so that they don't gain weight. And because they're just not educated mm-hmm. um, in in the fact that you need to be giving your child whole milk at this point, it's not about weight. I mean, it shouldn't it really should never be about weight. But yeah, they they need that for their growth and development, especially of their brain, the mm-hmm. fat or like you said, it's just what's in the home and they don't want to buy a second type of milk. And mm-hmm. I totally understand that. I mean, we have like three different types of milk in our refrigerator right now. So always yeah. same here. <laughs> yeah. And, and so two cups is kind of that, that target, if you will. And, and that doesn't really change. Um, that, that just becomes rather than a minimum of a, a recommendation, if you will, it kind of transitions into a, uh, a maximum, if you will. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've always heard that kind of past two for whether it's reasons of constipation or whatnot, that two cups of milk a day is kind of a maximum just because two to three cups of dairy a day is the recommendation or, or two to three servings or equivalents, if you will. And mm-hmm. so when you factor in cheese and um, yogurt and, and other, you know, milk, of course, you get it from a lot of sources, cottage cheese, you don't need two to three cups of milk a day with all those other foods in your diet. Right. And right. if children are consuming too much of it, it can lead to excess calories, sugar, so on. Exactly. I have a question. Does your does your preschool use uh, 2% or skim milk? They do not offer any milk. Oh, really? Nope. Okay. Our preschool offers skim milk and it makes me so mad. I so bad. I wish that they would, I guess, I guess it's a recommendation. It must be a USDA recommendation to offer skim milk in preschools because, you know, the obesity ep- epidemic in children, yada, yada, yada. I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. I still I still give my kids whole milk and or 2% milk. I simply, because they're just, they're choosy eaters at this age. They don't eat a whole lot and fat is so important. I just don't understand why they would offer skim milk. Yeah. Um, at Let's- least offer 2% or even 1% would make me happier. Yeah, but that's funny. interesting. They don't offer any milk, but that's I I have never really thought about it. I I think because my kids are good fat eaters in general, I haven't mm-hmm. really considered that. I would say there is not a day that goes by that neither of them has a ser- without a serving of probably nuts or avocado, but more likely two servings. Like I think their fat intake is very good, and it's mm-hmm. it's quality. It you know it's good fat. So, but yeah, it's um. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. I mean, we have both on hand. So when you're right. here, okay. I got you covered. <laughs> yes. I won't bring my own. Sounds Paige good. and Cameron are all good. So yeah. <laughs> I, but, I struggle getting them to drink, which we can talk about in a second here. So Oh, see, I have so the that's exact why, opposite problem. So I appreciate they have it at preschool because I struggle get, getting it to them here, but Paige will drink it at preschool because all of her friends are drinking it. So I do appreciate that they offer it there. So mm-hmm. yeah, we have opposite issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll have less suppositories in your future. Um, yeah, so, exactly. It might be a good thing. Um, so just kind of like, what is milk? Um, and this is, you're kind of like, uh, duh, but the the milk, I'll, I'll use that in air quotes. This is actually getting to be quite the debate in the dairy alternative mm-hmm. uh, world, just simply because by definition, milk per food chemist, is a liquid combination of fat, protein, 
enzymes, vitamins, and sugar produced by mammals to nourish their offspring. So lots of thoughts come to mind here. So one is, uh, you know, I I think I included a a quote somewhere from Marian Nestle. She's a professor of nutrition and she joked like, well, there's no denying that an almond doesn't lactate, which I was like, ha ha ha. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the, the argument from the dairy industry is fair, if you will, if this is the definition of milk, none of the dairy alternatives would qualify as right. as milk. So, you know, they, they kind of joke, well, what do we call it? Almond water or soybean juice or... And you, what you know? do they, they call it something on the website. Um, milk alternative, maybe? Is that what they call it? Or milk... Um, I think the use of the product, word... Milk beverage. Milk beverage. Okay, that's interesting. So apparently Possibly. if you include milk and then another word it's different from milk i don't know i'm gonna look it up as you're talking (laughs) okay um but the the other part there but produced by mammals to nourish their offspring that's a huge uh point of emphasis for people who choose dairy alternatives many and why people choose that is, is very different and um so maybe i i will i'll back up to that one but why why dairy milk alternatives and and the growth that they've seen certainly for dietary uh reasons so it may be a milk air allergy veganism uh any other number of could be constipation, could be ethical, mm-hmm. who knows. Um, but right. many people ch- are choosing not to drink milk that comes from an, from an animal. So arguably, we are the only species, at least that we know of, that is drinking the milk of another mammal. Um, it, you know, we are not cows. So that is that is one point that's been brought up. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? So, okay. I wasn't exactly listening. You totally caught me off guard. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> You're so funny. Okay, you focus. Um, but well, I have an answer. Oh, they you do. call it yes. So it looks like they're so like I'm I'm on the Silk website. So it says soy milk, and they have it all as one word. So if you look on on their website, oh, and you look on the, on the yeah. So it's not called right? milk; it's called soy milk as one word. So I wonder if that's how they get around like the legislation or like the dairy industry kind of getting at them. I'm wondering if that's their uh their kind of excuse. Like we don't call it milk. We call it soy milk. All one word. I'm or they got sued and changed their ways. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I'm sorry. So go back. I know what you were talking about. You were talking about dairy alternatives um and why people choose dairy alternatives. Well just that regular humans are the only species, if you will, to drink the milk from another oh. mammal for nourishment. Sure. Do you have yeah. I mean, do you care? Does it does it bother me? Yeah, I mean, do you find do you think that's a valid argument against cow's milk or dairy? Sure, I do think it's a little bit strange that we mm-hmm. are, but then again, we're also humans. I mean, we have access to all this stuff. Are we comparing ourselves to animals? I mean, right? We have industries, and I mean, we are so much more developed than any other species. So it makes sense that we would drink. It makes sense that we would have we have the access to the cows who make the milk. So why wouldn't? Do you know what I'm saying? We're smart, like, right? Like, I mean, it's it's a nutritious, um, yeah, and we're fairly smart, yes. affordable. Um, yeah, it's it's available to us and it's nutritious. So why wouldn't we? Kind of thing. Um, exactly. Like farming fish is not natural, if you will. And and arguably some people choose not to consume farm fish. Um, but it oh, kind of I, I mean, this may boil down to how do you feed the world then kind of thing. I don't know. Right. Um, well, we're also the only species that takes soybeans and almonds and makes them into milk. So you could argue no one else does that. I mean, we can make mm-hmm. the same argument anyway. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, that that is a hot, a, a hot point for some people though. It's just like, why would we do that? Um, But yeah, so, so kind of looking at plant derived milk products, they, they do have a different nutritional profile from cow's milk. And that's, that's something that I think needs to just be recognized as valid in that if you're choosing a dairy alternative, know what's in it. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. especially when you're, when you're talking about those three nutrients that 
um, cow's milk does have to offer as far as the calcium, the potassium, and the vitamin D. So mm-hmm. that those are some things to look for, as well as vitamin B12, which we haven't even looked at yet. Right. Um, but that is not typically found in many dairy alternatives. So a lot of people- Although I will say, and not to interrupt you no. again, this is something that I didn't realize I was researching for this podcast that a lot of companies are now adding B12, mm-hmm. at least to the yogurt, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, for, you know, I think vegans who are consuming, uh, you know, soy, almond, coconut-based non-dairy yogurts, and they need the B12 because they're not getting it from any other source. They need that fortification. So I just did notice that a lot of companies are actually adding it because I honestly didn't really think about that much either Mm -hmm. before researching for this podcast, honestly. I think that that has seen a huge amount of attention in really the past couple years. I, I think in in just kind of preparing for this podcast, older research basically showed that very few next to none contained any vitamin B12. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and now that's just not the case. A lot of them do. Right. So yep. when you're looking at alternatives, certainly look at calcium. And so just to give you a frame of reference, a cup of cow's milk provides 300 milligrams of calcium. So mm-hmm. as, as you're kind of comparing apples to oranges here, that that's that's your point of reference. Uh, vitamin vitamin D and B12 are also nutrients to look for. So, yeah. um, and vitamin and if, D recommendations, I, I think are highly individualized, but. Right. Vitamin D recommendations, are, but calcium. So to put that into perspective, 1000 milligrams is the daily value. So yeah. you're, you're going to aim for roughly a thousand milligrams. So 300 is about one third of what you need in a day. Yep. So. And in our show notes, I will include a list of other foods, non-dairy foods that are high in calcium. And there's quite a few and it's mm-hmm. it's a diverse list. So check that out if you're kind of curious as to what other foods are high in calcium. So I, I ran across, um, oh, I'm jumping ahead. So I, yeah, before we kind of go into dairy, I want to kind of run through some of the most popular um dairy alternatives and kind of some pros and cons related to those. So one uh, would be almond. So almond milk is, if it's unsweetened, very low in calories, very low in fat, very low in carbohydrate. So it is high in calcium, vitamin D and vitamin E. It doesn't contain soy. So that for somebody who also has soy, you know, restrictions or avoids, um, that would be huge. Some companies are also adding pea protein into their almond milks. Um, Cons, huge con is the lack of protein. So it only contains one gram per cup. It's it's my biggest beef with almond milk. I because I love it so much, but Mm -hmm. I wish add I wish even had four grams. Like that would make me happy. Four, give me four. (laughs) Give me four. Do you um and sweet? Do you buy unsweetened yourself? I do. Yeah. I do. Yep. Same. I love it. Uh, I but, buy the unsweetened vanilla, so it has some flavor of a little bit of vanilla. Same here. Yeah, but sweetened varieties up to sixteen grams of sugar. That is yeah, ridiculous. That's yeah, a lot of sugar. That's four grams more than than milk. So milk has about twelve grams of sugar. That's four grams more than what you would find in a cup of milk. So yeah, that's that's a lot. But it's not even from lactose. It's like straight up sugar. Right. Right. Yeah, like it's, I, it's not, not a, even a natural form of sugar. All added. Yep. <laughs> it's all added sugar. Um, and then I always butcher the name, but I believe it's um, this additive is called carrageenan. Mm, that's what I usually say. Yep, or carrageenan. And who knows? Carrageenan. Okay, yeah. that is you know that's something that it wasn't until I did Whole Thirty, which we'll <laughs> talk about mm. in a later podcast. But care. Carrageenan, carrageenan, however, however you say it, um, carrageenan <laughs> is a hard no on on Whole30. And so basically what it is, some people are a little sensitive to it. It's a seaweed-based thickener and stabilizer. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean a whole lot to some people, but it, it is an additive and some people just prefer to steer clear of it. But I, it's rare to find an almond milk that does not contain it. So there's been some, there's been some, I wouldn't say research, but some um, articles floating around social media that have kind of made carrageenan out to be just pro-inflammatory or, but none of that has actually been backed by research. So just a point to make. Uh, I will say though, that I believe there is some research to say that people with IBS might be triggered by carrageenan, but there's not a whole lot of research on that either. It doesn't seem to bother me. I have IBS, not saying that everyone won't have the same reaction, but, uh, 
I have been able to find almond milk here in um, Columbus without carrageenan. And I do try to buy that just because of what I've read about IBS. But again, yeah. there's really not much research to support that. But that's in Ohio. I think the, the grocery store that I go to, they make their own and it happens to not have carrageenan. I also don't think that Almond Breeze has car- carrageenan in it. Um, but like like I said, there's really no research to back that it's pro-inflammatory or that it's harmful in any way. So. And this probably isn't a hard, fast rule, but when I was trying to find some variety or just products without, it seemed that the shelf stable products, probably because of the pasteurization, um, Mm -hmm. just the stable, you know, just having to be shelf stable, they Mm -hmm. often used heat versus other stabilizers. So it's more the refrigerated products that contain it, um, if I'm recalling correctly. So that may just be something to look at because they almond milk does come in obviously refrigerated and um, shelf stable varieties. So you could look at that as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, totally depends on the brand. So, all right, moving along, soy. So similar amount of potassium to cow's milk, which is awesome. It is mm-hmm. by far pretty much the highest in protein and yes. same amount of protein as cow's milk. So eight grams per cup uh, fortified with vitamins A, D, B12, and calcium, and naturally contains uh, some calcium and vitamin D as well. So some cons to it, perhaps. Soy is a top eight allergen, so that would not work if there's a soy allergy. And the sweetened varieties are high in sugar. So how do you feel about soy milk, Gina? Yeah, I actually, I I love soy milk. I think it tastes delicious. I honestly don't, I, I choose almond milk because it has less sugar. And I also really like almond milk. I mean, I, I drink it because I like it. Yeah. I did give soy to Cameron for a while. I can't remember why I wasn't giving him dairy. I honestly, it wasn't even that long ago, but I can't remember. But I did, I think that there's some soy milks out there that have, so it's roughly six to eight grams. Like you said, I, I chose one that's, I think it was made by silk and it was like a higher protein version that had maybe 10 grams, if I recall. Or maybe it had more fat. So, so that's what you have to w- watch out for. Yeah. If you're going to use soy for your infant. I keep going back to that, but it's true. You have to look at that fat. Um, so I did use that for him at, at a specific time. But mm-hmm. I think I remember having to like add a little bit of oil or something to it to make up for the for the um, lower amount of fat that was in it compared to cow's milk. Um, but overall, I do, I do really like soy. And we're going to do a whole podcast on it. I think that some people don't consume soy for reasons um, related to health. Um, but we're going to do a whole podcast on the benefits of soy and also what's been in the research with regards to breast cancer. Yep. So we won't go into it. Yeah. Any of the other pros, cons, but just from a nutritional standpoint and not, not an exact, not, not to swap it out one for one, but soy would be the most nutritionally similar Mm, to cow's milk. Yep. So just something to kind of keep in mind if a dairy alternative is up your alley. Uh, Coconut. Milk alternatives, uh, creamy texture for sure. Love the taste. The saturated fat is from median chain triglycerides, which basically is a type of saturated fat that does not pose that atherosclerotic risk of other saturated fats. Mm -hmm. So just something to keep in mind. Doesn't usually have sugar unless it's sweetened, of course, fortified with vitamins A, B12, vitamin D, and calcium. Um, and naturally just has 50% more calcium than cow's milk. So coconut is very high in calcium. Doesn't offer uh, any fiber or protein. So something to kind of keep in mind there. So I love the taste. Otherwise, coconut doesn't yeah. really have a, a huge pl- place in my heart. Uh, yeah, me either. Rice milk. And I feel like rice milk was a lot more popular 10 years ago. I think there's just a lot more options now. But it's it's great. Kind of its niche, if you will, is for people with food allergies. So good for nut or soy allergies. It's just non-allergenic. Neutral flavor. It's not really creamy, no protein, and it's the highest in carbohydrate and sugar. It's got a thin mm-hmm. consistency. And so, yeah, really overall, it has the least favorable, favorable nutrition profile. So um, yeah. really good we for your like allergy milk. people. <laughs> Exactly. That's what we keep rice milk in our uh, all you care to eat operations for is the students who have allergies to dairy, soy, almonds, because those are the those are the three milks we offer. Yeah. So we had to start carrying rice milk um, because it it doesn't have any allergies in it. And mm-hmm. I, I think it tastes de- decent. It's not my favorite. It actually does taste. I feel like a little bit like almond milk because it's kind of watery. Mm-hmm. I drink almond milk because it satisfies my thirst, um, but also because it has calcium and vitamin D. But I do not like that I feel like rice doesn't have – it's not always fortified. It's rarely fortified from what I've seen. So it just 
But yeah, mm-hmm. it's really for the allergy stu- um, students or customers or people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Consumers. <laughs> yeah, it has its place for sure. Um, hemp milk, high in alpha linoleic acid, good in baked goods. It's got a real neutral flavor. Two to three grams of protein per cup. So a little, not much. It does have, and I say this about all hemp products, it has this earthy, I call it musty. Um, <laughs> this, this resource calls it earthy flavor that can be unpleasant to some. How, have you tried hemp milk? Uh-huh, I have. And I actually kind of really liked it. I just, I, I would probably drink hemp milk more often if they made it in um, like refrigerated containers and it wasn't all, you know, the uh, antiseptic uh, carton that you find on the shelf stable. I I wanted to buy it in bulk and I've never seen it in large containers. I actually really like hemp. I haven't noticed the earthy hippie flavor. (laughs) (laughs) Hippie flavor. I love it. Well, (laughs) so it's out there. I mean, high in alpha linoleic acid is great. So anytime we can get more of those omega-3s, great. Um, Oat milk. Provides fiber, which is unique to oat milk, uh, two grams per cup, and it contains that. iron. So that's really neat. I mean, that's a that's a unique nutrition uh, profile. There contains phytochemicals, which is great. Um, and the pro, it does have a little bit of protein, but not much. Um, mm-hmm. Again, uh, naturally occurring sugars make it the high highest in carbs. I would, I don't know if the, I said rice was the highest. I would say rice and oat are probably pretty similar. Um, but they're both pretty high in carb. Macadam- but they do make they do make a low or a no added sugar unsweetened oh. oat milk that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I believe Quaker has one. So I mean, it doesn't all right. Yeah, that sounds right. I I think I I, I might have mentioned on the podcast once upon a time, but Mark had saved an article from Consumer Reports saying that oat milk is like the up and coming, you know goddess of yes oats uh, of uh non-dairy milk sorry yeah um so we'll see I, it could make a good run here it's got that beta glucan which is supposed to be really good for heart disease diabetes prevention and actually I, i'm looking at it now quaker does have one that only has five grams of sugar so oh, that's, that's nice. even less than milk so yeah maybe it does have more naturally occurring sugar but like most milks there's unsweetened versions mm-hmm. which you can get yeah. I don't know how it tastes. I've never tasted it. I At have had it. it, it it's good. It's creamy. Okay. It's pretty I bet good. it is. Mm-hmm. I like milk in oats. Like I like to put milk and oats together, like cold, and that sounds really weird, and then drink the milk and then eat the oats. That sounds really strange, but I swear it's delicious. So I could, oh. I could probably, I would probably like oat milk. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Absolutely. Uh, macadamia nut milk. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole... Well, I don't have a lot of information on this one. Uh, I And I have not tried it myself. I think this is the only one I haven't tried. Oh my no, gosh, I love it. that I have tried it because it comes in a shelf-stable variety. I, I usually keep a carton or two of something on hand, just, I don't know, when the apocalypse comes. Uh, <laughs> contains monounsaturated fat, which is nice, low in protein. What else you got, Gina? Any thoughts? So, on? okay, all I know is that where I work, we sell a macadamia milk latte. And I'm trying to find out who makes the macadamia milk, but I'm not going to see it. It's like a, it's called barista, macadamia barista. So it's specifically made for latte. So it foams really, really well. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just really delicious. But honestly, I don't know much about the nutrition. Uh, I just know I love the taste of it. And it costs extra. I know we sell it for extra money because it costs extra to make. But oh, it's so, it's so FODMAP, which I love. because Macadamia nuts are low FODMAP. I'm pretty sure that it's a similar profile to almond milk. Probably. That, it, I, that it's to low, me makes It's sense. low in carb. Uh-huh. For sure it's low in carb. I'm sorry, not carb. Uh, protein. It's low in protein for sure. I would imagine it's low in protein and carb and it has a little bit of fat and is low in calories just like almond milk. Yeah. I'm going to find it. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Um, it's an educated guess. Pea, <sighs> pea milk. Um <laughs> I know you and I are like anti pee just because of the taste. Some sources say that it's a neutral taste. I, I say BS, but, um, and then it does have protein though. So kind of like that's peas thing, uh, eight grams of protein per cup. So if you can get past the, the, the hippie taste, go for it. Um, the protein is there. So flax milk, uh, similar nutrition profile to almond milk. It has those omega threes, which is awesome. Very low in protein, little to no protein, and usually has thicker thickeners and emulsifiers in there to give it a pleasant mouthfeel. So that's probably um, not unique to flax, but just something uh, worth mentioning for it. So mm-hmm. I've never had flax milk. So. No, oh, I don't okay. think so. No, 
So kind of looking at all of that, kind of backing up to found a really good, and I linked it in our show notes, but it was some really solid research that uh, I'll I'll just kind of read. Evidence uh, mainly from meta-analysis, meta-analyses of observational studies and randomized controlled trials on dairy intake and risk of obesity, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, cancer, and all-cause mortality. So that's that's huge. Um, and the totality of available scientific evidence supports that intake of milk and dairy products contribute to meeting nutrient recommendations and may protect against most prevalent chronic diseases, whereas very few adverse effects from dairy consumption have been reported. Wow. So, I thought that that was it, it's a great article if you can if you want to sit down and read it but I thought that that was a nice um kind of addition to the academy uh who was at the Heart Association and then Dash who had their kind of consensus statement that um you know dairy intake supported uh chronic disease prevention so right. there is the Dash strong, diet is the sorry. number one diet like every single year <laughs> Have you ever noticed that when they have like, you know, the top yeah. five diets of 2018, Dash Diet, automatically number one every time, yep. I feel like, or at least number two. So this goes against, I feel like a lot of people who consume non-dairy um, beverages, it's because, I, I'm not certain a lot of people, but people have read the China study. Have you read that? I, I have not read it, but I know, I know you, somewhat of it. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I've, I've skimmed through it, but this is basically going against exactly what that says, because that... From what I remember, it's been a while, that study um, basically said the opposite, that milk or any dairy products will increase your risk of type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. cardiovascular disease, yeah. obesity. So yeah, I remember hearing a lot about that when I used to work in the grocery stores. A lot of people would comment on that. Yeah, it's, I mean, here's a timely kind of note from Marian Nestle. So she is uh, the professor of nutrition, food studies, and public health at New York University. And she's also the author of Food Politics. I really enjoy her. She's, I love her. She's very blunt, I will say, mm-hmm. um, which yes. is probably why I like her a lot. Um, and so she says in this article, which is linked in the show notes, milk is the perfect food for calves. Uh, there is no question about that. But for humans, it may not be, and it may not be necessary. And there's plenty of evidence that it isn't. The key word there is necessary. If you want to drink cow's milk, go ahead. It's a healthy and nutritious option. Mm -hmm. The problem for the dairy industry is that it's no longer the only beverage option with a health halo. Juice makers offer calcium and vitamin D fortified drinks, dairy-free diets are widespread, and the lactose intolerant no longer believe they need to have milk to have a complete diet. So that's, I mean, she sums it up beautifully. And I think those are our sentiments exactly. Just that milk is a nutritious, cow's milk is a nutritious option. And should you not choose to include it in your diet for whatever reason, there are lots of good options out there. And to just be mindful of, of how those fit nutritionally, um, you know, in your diet and, and making sure that your, your micronutrients are accounted for. Exactly. It's like milk is the easy way to go. If you don't have to, if you don't want to do much thinking, otherwise you just got to read the labels and make sure you're getting the nutrients that you would be getting in milk, uh, for your kids, I would say, especially, but also for growing adults. I mean, as we age, our bones, like you said, kind of start to to break down. So we need those nutrients. So, but you can get them other places and you just have to work a little bit harder if you're not going to drink milk. And that's totally fine. Cause I think that the industry is making it a little bit easier by doing the fortification for us. So that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of moving into some discussion points, um, recombinant bovine growth hormone. And just so I don't have to say that again, it's, I'm going to call it RBGH. Um, and is it safe? And so I, Mm, I uh, maybe I'll. Is it okay if I talk about the dairy visits now? Do you care? Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Cause, oh, just because it's timely. So, uh, I can look. I did a blog post back in 2015, and I got the opportunity here in Michigan to tour several dairy farms. Uh, they were about two hours away, kind of in the middle of the state, uh, with Michigan State University. And it was very interesting to learn about just more about the dairy industry, cows, all of that good stuff. And so um, I learned that day that 98% of dairy farms in Michigan are family owned. 
Uh, and there's Michigan is a state where there are no artificial growth hormones used. So that oh, wow. that is really a I I, I don't want to say get over it, people, because that's not fair. But RBGH is not used to the extent that it was. I, I think there there was some very valid concern over its use, but the reality is it's used rarely and not at all in in some states. And so just because milk, I mean, liquid lays, weighs a lot, you know, you tend to find milk in like your milk there in Columbus is likely from dairies there in the state. Um, right. It just, that makes sense for us to keep our food closer to home. And so, you know, dairies would prefer to keep <laughs> you know, their shipping costs down. And and so it's it's very common that you'll find the milk in your in your groceries are are from your state. And so that would be something to kind of look into. But um, um where did I I lost my uh no I also learned organic dairy farmers must adhere to less stringent regulations while conventional dairy farms are federally inspected every six weeks. So the farm I visited have had between 10 and 50 live birth uh live births mm. every day. And interestingly oh I learned yeah um, cows have about the same gestation as humans. It's two, about 280 days. So that was super oh, wow. interesting. Um, and I don't want to get off track with kind of the, the fun cow facts. I'll go back to them. But um, basically, what what is the RBGH? And it's a synthetic hormone given to cows to stimulate milk production. And how it does that is by increasing levels of insulin-like growth factor, which I'll just simplify by saying IGF-1. And mm -hmm. so in the cow. Well, in the cow, but there are some there it does transfer some to humans. Okay. It okay. does transfer some to humans. So, um where am I? So IGF-1, some studies have shown that adults who drink milk have a 10% higher level in their blood than those who drink little or no milk. Uh but this same finding has also been reported in people who drink soy milk. Okay. So, then, so that was an interesting point. That's, so how do you know, where did you read that sometimes it can, it can get transferred in the milk? Because I've always read that it does not get transferred to humans. So I'm curious just to know. I'd have, did to, they tell I'd have you to look that at my and, source. No, that's, okay. that's from, I'll, ha I'll have to look at the show notes. Um, because I would think if that's the case, I wouldn't want to drink milk with mm -hmm. RBGH. I don't want to have that transferred to me. But like I said, I've always read in multiple sources that it never that it didn't actually transfer to humans so that's interesting once I, again it's like you can no matter you can type in whatever you want to know or whatever right. you think is the right answer and you'll, and you'll see it that's what you'll see so i'm trying to find the we can do some show notes. research on it and, okay yeah i think the take-home point there is while some may transfer over um, it doesn't really matter it's it's negligible amounts really right um, and it's, it's not harmful as well I think if it were high enough quantities, it would be. I, I mean, personally, I think what's more concerning is the antibiotic resistant bacteria. Yes, exactly. I would totally agree with you. Yeah. And so I think that the RBGH, so here's kind of where I'm at. This is just an opinion, but RBGH okay. use is so low. So even in tw 2007, less than one in five cows in, uh, per the USDA. And that was, 12 years ago. Right. I mean, you, this is like, a, this was such a hot topic. It, it just became futile for dairies to keep using it because they weren't going to sell their product basically. I mean, right. their sales are plummeting. They're going to do whatever it takes to keep consumers happy. If consumers right. don't want that, you know, any concern over our RBGH, they're going to stop using. It. I mean, that just makes sense. Like, yeah. And you see it written on almost all milks now, yeah. not made with yeah. cows, not grown with RBGH. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see it all the time. So that's good. I mean, I, I just, it makes sense to me that some of the ins insulin growth like factor would get passed on to humans through consumption. But the fact is like, that's just not happening anymore. So I, I feel yeah. like that's, that's just a dated opinion. And so I think what is valid, though, is the antibiotic resistant bacteria. Yeah. So, I mean, there is use of antibiotics to treat um, 
mastitis, RBGH-induced mastitis particularly, that can promote those bacteria. And we don't quite know how it's transmitted uh, to humans. It, that's, that's not entirely clear. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a lactating mammal, just as, you know, you and I know, I never had mastitis personally, but it, I mean, it's not like a dirty thing. It's just the nature of the game when when you're lactating, a lot right. of women, cows get mastitis and it, it, it does. It has to be treated. It's it can the milk and the milk doesn't get used at that stage. Um, I remember the level of detail that the dairy um, went into during our tour of just saying that as soon as a cow is being treated, like she is removed really from and her her. I mean, she's continued to milk, but that milk is literally just tossed away and it's it's tested for all of these things before it would she would ever be allowed to kind of go back into kind of gen pop, you know, with the others. So the, just the amount that they, the, the, the testing was just, it's, it's very, very, very stringent. I, you know, I left feeling like it, it was a pure product and we should be really proud of all that stuff. So some other just like fun facts about cows, because I was like, they are the, just the best. Um, happy cows make more milk. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. So, I mean, it makes sense because as women who lactate, when you're stressed, you don't make as much milk. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Like, And so in the dairies that I visited, they played different music. So they actually studied oh if they played jazz versus... Um, I think one of one of them one of the dairies preferred those cows liked blues the blues and so that's what was played and then the oh other dairy was jazz and so they literally studied if we play this genre of music do the cows make more milk That is so Isn't funny. that funny? I love that. That I was a fun job. I'm like these are some freaking happy cows. It's awesome. Lucky and then the cows. other thing and I didn't know this until that day cows only moo when they're upset. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's kind of like their bark. Yeah, it's like they're I'm unhappy. I don't know. Like I'm pissed <laughs> off. Moo. Yeah, I did I just, not know that. Yeah, and I I made notes that day when I was at the farm all on my blog, of course, because I don't remember these things. But after reading that blog post, I'm like, I totally remember that. And I took a picture. I'll I'll post it in in our um on our website. But uh, I heard that day like one or two moos all day long. And there were thousands of cows. Those are some happy cows. Yeah. We have a dairy really close to home too. And we visited um, and the technology that they use, you know, as women who have both breastfed, you know, when you got engorged, how uncomfortable it was. Mm -hmm. So cows often like they're being rather than having like a schedule. So often they're kind of in like herds that kind of get shuffled from, you know, one section to the next and they kind of all have their turn, but they're on, on a schedule, if you will. There are dairies that have just like a milking base that the cow can go in at any point when she's feeling full and get that relief. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! I know. I'm like, this is this is super cool. Like, I, and and they're smart enough. They know, like, if I go in there, I'm gonna get relief. Like, uh-huh. that's so yeah. Happy nice. cows. Happy cows make more milk. All right. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with the statement? Uh, drinking milk has always been in part about habit and marketing, and milk alternatives capitalize on both. I do. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, looking if when you go into the dairy department of any grocery store, I mean, the dairy alternative, like you said, market has completely skyrocketed. Um, I have in here the the Netflix documentaries have been mm-hmm. fueling the dairy, non-dairy markets fire. Yes, I think they're capitalizing it on that as they should. It's it's brilliant. Do you agree with it? Yeah, money talks, right? I mean, yes. You don't see the the milk mustache commercials as much. You know, the, the commercials <laughs> or right. you know the ads or, or at all. Like yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I I I do feel like that has changed a lot. Um, and and marketing is huge. Yeah, it, it's. I almost think though that the dairy industry has responded appropriately. Kind of to your point about whole milk the the full fat high fat products have really made a comeback uh that you know that is the, in now yes yeah like i think of siggy's with the 9% cream yogurts and, mm-hmm. and things like that i mean those are 
popular items. Yep. And so they've kind of responded very, very nicely in their own ways to meet the consumer demands. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't found a dairy-free mul- dairy-free milk alternative like that I like. I ooh, have oh, you? Really? I'm not crazy about any of them. So I well, I, w- I was saying I like almond milk. Do you not drink almond milk? I do. Okay, but you don't like it. Um, if I'm being perfectly so. <laughs> Are we jumping to question three? We can't. Well, first of all, let me just say, I, the, you were saying that the, uh, the the marketing on television is heavy on, you know, the alternatives, uh-huh. the dairy alternatives. And I was thinking, like, when was the last time I saw, like, a milk mustache got milk commercial? It's, I haven't seen one in probably years. But what I have been seeing uh, is lactate, like lactose-free yeah. dairy. So that is something I still continuously see. Um, so I was, I was just thinking about that. Um, but uh, yeah, so we can jump to the next question. What milks or milks in quotations, soy milks, almond milk, do you use? And what is your reason behind your choices? So you can go first on this because I've kind of got a long winded answer here. Yeah. So, okay. Milks in my house at all times, fat-free cow's milk, whole cow's milk, and then unsweetened almond milk. And then from there, it could be anything else. So I said, I keep a couple cartons on of like a dairy-free alternative. Um, mm-hmm. just, you know, cause it's shelf stable and it's something that, you know, if we're in a pinch, I can pull out some whatever milk, uh, coconut and a lot of them have blends now too. So sometimes I'll do a coconut do. slash almond, or I wish there was kind of more of those, maybe like a, I don't know if they're soy blends, but, um, soy milk is one that I haven't done as much of. I, I will say just, just from a taste perspective, it's not my favorite. Yeah. So who drinks the, the skim milk? Is that Mark? Um, that is actually, I would say all of us in some capacity. So the only way Mark really drinks milk is on cereal. Uh, the girls Mm -hmm. drink, they get a sippy cup of, uh, skim milk actually at breakfast and lunch or breakfast and dinner. And ever since, you know, constipation central has gone on, I've started cutting Shay's milk with a little bit of the unsweetened almond milk. And then basically Mm -hmm. for anything cooking related, you know, like baking, uh, oatmeal, smoothies, anything like that, that I'm just trying to keep the calories and carbs down, I will use the unsweetened almond milk. Okay. Did you say you have whole milk in your house? And the whole milk is mostly for me. For you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you drink whole milk like out of a cup? Nope. See, I use it in my coffee because I have found that I use far less um, bad for you coffee creamer if I can use whole milk. Mm -hmm. So I use probably a half a tablespoon of like a coffee mate kind of thing and then maybe a quarter cup of whole milk and then probably 16 ounces of iced coffee. Okay. So that's my poison in the morning. So love it. And I will like Piper, Piper probably needs more calories than Shay. So I will just kind of depending on, I will give her like a third whole milk and then mm-hmm. two thirds skim milk just to kind of make a low fat, you know, make it up. Yeah. So that's funny. My kids will not drink milk unless it has chocolate syrup in it. Oh. So that's one thing. Um, I'll put that okay, on my so grocery I'll- list for your visit. <laughs> It's the Hershey's Simple. No, I'm just kidding. That is what we buy, but it really doesn't matter. Um, Okay, so I'm going to start with myself. So I love almond milk, unsweetened uh, vanilla almond milk. So I typically do a cup of that a day. I also do one Chobani Greek yogurt a day. So I'll do the Chobani mainly, well, first of all, for the taste. I always choose everything based on taste, no matter what. Um, But I also do it for the protein um, because that's a big source of protein for me. Uh, and I know I'm not getting it in my almond milk because there's it's negligible protein, as you already said. Mm-hmm. But I do the almond milk for the calcium and the vitamin D. I also take a vitamin D supplement. And I also, because there's no vitamin D in the uh, Chobani yogurt. And then I also, I've been taking a Viactive. Uh, so I typically take a Viactive the last 15 days of my cycle because I, I learned in graduate school that taking a magnesium and extra calcium, like when you're PMSing that last two weeks. Yeah. Um, can help reduce PMS symptoms. And I have been doing this religiously for the past probably 10 years. And I'm not sure if it's working, but I don't tend to have a lot of major PMS symptoms. But I'll I also, ask Nick for confirmation. <laughs> oh, for don't ask him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what he says. So, but seriously though, I only I only get those two. And honestly, sometimes I don't even have a full cup of that almond milk. So I do sometimes get a little concerned about my calcium intake. Now I do eat almonds and 
tons of green leafy vegetables and broccoli. So I'm probably fine, but I'm really just kind of doing it as a, as a buffer, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my kids, so the recommendation for kids, their age is about, and and really for most kids at all ages is about 16 ounces. Um, After two, like we said, they can move from, from whole milk to 2% or 1% or skim. So it sounds like your kids are doing skim. I still have my kids on, I would say 2%. I sometimes buy 2%, sometimes whole because they just don't eat that much and they're little Mm -hmm. peanuts. So I'm just getting as much fat and calories in them as possible. And sometimes we even put Pediasure in there, um, but they don't like that. So Mm -hmm. we we don't do that often. Um, But we buy the Fairlife milk uh, because it has half the sugar and double the protein. And I I started doing that probably like eight months ago and never went back. And it's just really good. I mean, we talked about this on another episode. It is just so frick fracking good. Is that what you buy? No, I don't. But okay, okay. So I was researching like, what is it that they do to that milk that to make it crack cocaine? Um, but it, it's like an ultra filtering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is so interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I love Fairlife. I think it's delicious. And again, I think that's a great response from the dairy industry, right? They're like, oh, protein. Like, sure, it's basically yep. a protein drink. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. lot of protein. They actually now make a protein drink. So Fairlife already has more protein in it and less and less uh, sugar, but they also now make a protein drink with even more protein in it. So I think it's brilliant. So I want to really talk about, so if you're looking for a dairy alternative for your young kids, age 12 months to two years, because you don't want to give them dairy milk. I found, like I said before, that there are certain, I, I think it was silk soy milk that has the extra protein in it. Also had a little bit more fat. It's in a red container, uh, and then I would add a, like a, a drop or maybe a teaspoon, which would be about five grams of fat of canola oil or coconut oil melted or almond oil, what other avocado oil, mm-hmm. and shake it up. They had no idea it was in there. Also, I found the silk um, almond yogurt is a really good option with tons of fat. I think it's about fourteen grams of fat in one container. Um, if you're looking for a dairy alternative for your young kids last, okay, two more things. So I'm also a huge, I get to try a lot of these things because we sell them at school where I work at the college where I work. So Daya is, I think by mm-hmm. far the best tasting dairy, uh, alternative yogurt. However, the so eight, eight grams of added sugar, roughly in each yogurt, six grams of protein, which isn't terrible, 20% calcium, which also isn't bad. And they also add B12. But something I don't like about it is that they add chicory root, which really pisses me off. Like, I can't (laughs) even eat it. I can't eat a Daya yogurt. So I gave up on that one. So Follow Your Heart is the last one. So Follow Your Heart is another dairy alternative company. They make yogurt as well. It does actually taste better than the Daya, but it has more sugar. So obviously it tastes better. It also has magnesium, um, but a lot less protein, which kind of makes me mad. And also they both have added cultures, which is great. You want to look for added cultures in your dairy alternative yogurt because yogurt itself has cultures in it. And that's a benefit of yogurt, especially if your children is const- are constipated. Something else I've been doing with Paige is making sure she gets a yogurt every day. Um, but there's also uh, dairy alternative cheeses. Have you had any dairy alternative cheeses, like dairy-free cheese? Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So which ones have you had? The Daya. Okay. So Daya is nothing compared to follow your heart. If you have, if you want a good dairy free cheese that has no nutritional value whatsoever. So you would not be consuming this for the calcium, vitamin D, nothing. It's just for the taste. Like if you are a vegan or you have a dairy allergy or whatever it is, uh, follow your heart cheese melts the best, tastes the best. It is just delicious. Um, I actually really also like the diet cheese. I just feel that the follow your heart cheeses tastes more like cheese. Um, but again, no nutritional value whatsoever. So don't consume it thinking that it's going to taste or it's going to have, give you the same benefits as regular cheese. Um, yeah, I don't think that taste is bad. It's just not the same melt, you know, it's not the same. Right. Yeah. The diet cheese actually does have some calcium in it, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, the, the follow your heart has zero nutritional benefits, which kind of <laughs> makes me mad. So anyway, you're so funny. So that's all I get. You want to read our review? Since somebody yeah. finally left us a review, our we, begging is not paying off. 
our begging hasn't paid off. That's okay. I know people are loving our podcast. So <laughs> Kim from Imperfect Health, it's a, a podcast, a new podcast that I've been listening to. Um, she's actually, I think she has a blog. She's got a pretty big following. She's been around for a while. So I, I, that's how I found her, her podcast. Um, but she has been listening to our past podcast and she said, it's relatable, fun, and educational. Nicole and Gina's conversations are relevant and relatable. Plus they're reliable sources of nutrition information. Thanks for the great listen. Looking forward to more episodes. So thank you so much, Kim. That was, that was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And don't be bashful people. Leave us a review. If it's good, we'll read it and we'll love you. <laughs> yes. um, all right. So find us. We are on social media, Dietitians Dish Podcast, and you can listen on Overcast, iTunes, and if you're an Android user on Pocketcast. Yep. And on June 17th, which will be our next podcast coming out, we'll be interviewing our daughters, Paige and Shay, at Nicole's home in Michigan. Uh, if you want to send us any questions that you would like us to ask our daughters, please do. We do have some already in mind, but we would love listener input. So don't be bashful. Until then, everyone, be well, and we'll see you soon. Yes. And that email address for the questions is dietitiansdishpodcast at gmail.com. Dietitiansdishpodcast at gmail.com. So send us some questions. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk Bye. to you soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.